It's the setup. I'm Chris Grace. I'm John Accardo. And it's, uh, what is it? Wednesday, January 23rd, 23rd. 2019. Um, and we'll just assume that, you know, act like you just heard a theme song. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> I'm just going to sample that into like a EDM. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're working on a theme song. Theme song's in the works. We've put out feeler. Oh, do we actually have like agreement that someone might work on one? I have, I, I got a, What? <laughs> that was we there's someone we want to do the theme song and uh-huh. i said hey c- can you do our theme song and he went uh what you want to do what yeah and then so that was that was that so even like a 30 second flourish of whatever that guy does best right yeah yeah i, well, I can make this happen oh by that i mean hardcore rap yes it's gonna be a hardcore <laughs> rap it'll be very controversial um well we just showed some tricks to each other that we, we learned in the week we did we just uh we just spend about 10 minutes doing magic in front of each other i thought it'd be funny if we just with no explanation just did those on mic we should do it next time on mic because i think neither would you get the effect or the method right (laughs) and in some cases you would not even the idea because i think half of your tricks you went uh and a patter 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 and this is your card yeah Yeah. (laughs) because um and and the problem was one of them was basically like a mentalism thing and i would say in those things actually the patter is very important because there's so much like subtleties in terms of covering certain moments and stuff like that. So that for me to just be like, then there's a script here right. and then we do that <laughs> sort of takes away. Cause there's often like method and like method is embedded in the script a lot of times with mentalism. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how true of that is of, of uh, the other technical close to be kind of things. There might be method as far as, uh, instructions. Yeah, there is or, or often... subtleties, or perhaps setting up, um, setting up an idea, setting up like a process that yeah. looks one way. Yeah. That might be kind of important to this. Especially script. when it's like um, uh, some of the stuff we've looked at this week, where it's like, uh, now just spread it on the table. Don't no, don't don't uh, don't uh, <laughs> no, don't pick them up. Don't, <laughs> no, yeah. no, God, no. <laughs> yeah. Or when sometimes when it's like that did well, just happen. Yeah. I, I gave you a I I, we, I showed you a trick. Yeah. That was going fine until I forgot to tell you not to take them out from under the table too soon. I was like, ah, no, no, do this under the table. And often there's a like, you know, um... Okay, now put these behind your back and uh, go ahead and cut them. Uh, don't don't shuffle them, uh, <laughs> or you know, just mix them. Just give a quick little mix. Don't don't do a full no no don't do a full riffle shovel. <laughs> yeah. um, I imagine that with with chops that like it must become easier to because uh, I feel like my response, like one of the things I just showed you, if you had you had a hint, an inkling as to what the method was. And that would be easily checked out by doing a certain thing. And if you did that, I would just be like, oh, well, that's over. Right. <laughs> that would be my response as opposed to like, I feel like a lot of times uh, I read that, that like what you then do is then you get out your invisible deck and right. and finish it with that. Yeah, you hear stories like that. And I've definitely seen parlor shows of the castle where there's just like a small invisible dash just like off to the corner that's never referenced unless uh-huh. the trick goes wrong. And, and then they just go, but what's your card? The two of diamonds? Interesting, because over here, you know, yeah. just in case. Uh, there's also the story that Mark Wilson would, like his entire life, always just have a piece of rope in his pocket just in case, like for oh. any show he's ever doing. Just for strangling the person? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll show you to forget your card. <laughs> I'll show you to not know what a club is called. Mark Wilson, my level one magic teacher at yeah. the Magic Castle. Sweet guy. Yeah, um, and I actually really enjoyed the class. I I really enjoyed hanging out with him and uh, I think Nani is her name. Nani is his wife. Yes, his wife, who's very sweet as well. 
Uh, but also, Nani has a bit of a hard edge. <laughs> Does she? Yeah, like if you're a little bit late to class or if you, like uh, around the administrative. She, she whips your hand with a ruler. <laughs> she has a, they're both from Texas and she has a little bit of a Texas, like she can be, um, you know, tough when needed. She busts out like old hickory. Yeah. And makes sure She took don't. that rope. Yeah, <laughs> right. In Texas style. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, did anything exciting happen to you magic-wise this week? Uh, yesterday, for the first time, I uh, hosted Magic Bar for Ben Schrader. When oh, he, nice. When he was out, it was the first time Magic Bars ever happened without him in the building. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. You're the first guest host. I'm the first one, yeah, because he's never um, not been able to do it, or he just hasn't booked that day or something. Right. But because he's in a show, Ragtime, at the Pasadena Playhouse, opening soon. Which we're probably going to both see. We're probably going to go see. I, yeah. I, I love Ragtime. Ragtime and, is one of my husband's top five favorite musicals. Right. And, and uh, I've never Ben Schrader is one of my top five favorite people. So we're definitely going to go. Ah, he's maybe top ten. Um, <laughs> no, don't downgrade him. In fact, <laughs> no, by, by the time you see Pasadena Playhouse, he might be number one. He might climb up there, yeah, for that portrayal Are of you Houdini. affected by people's talent in terms of liking them or not? Uh, <laughs> You've already answered. <laughs> your face already answered yes. <laughs> uh, I, I will say that... Um, only in terms of talking about the thing. The, the thing. Oh. Like, I, I, I remember uh, a friend of mine who I knew pretty casually, still a friend of mine. I, I, I spend time with him mm-hmm. um, occasionally. I don't hang out with him as much as I'd like. Magician. Mm-hmm. He recommended, I was at the castle, and I was going to try to catch a show. And I went, have you seen this show? And he went, oh, yeah. It's incredible. Like, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. And it was like, there's a couple people on the show. And he went, this guy's doing this incredible thing. Um, this person does this. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And I went, great. I'm so excited to see it. Uh, and it was abysmal. It was <laughs> horrendous. And Robert Ramirez was with me, and he had heard the same review that I did. And several times we were turning to each other like, what the hell is this? Huh. And so I just kind of learned, I got it. That is a person that I might not come back to for a recommendation maybe you, on a show. Maybe he was like pranking you. Uh, <laughs> that might have been a long con. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, I'm very susceptible to liking or, or not liking somebody based on their talent. Really? Yeah, very I am afraid of. I am. I am certainly afraid of that when it comes to recommend. Like, I'm afraid to recommend things to people, especially you, because oh. I think I. I don't have super. I don't. I don't have negative feelings toward a lot of things the way that you do sometimes. Really? Uh, like if I, I don't. Like I've heard you espouse many negative re- sure. <laughs> opinions. Sure. That's well, just like when it comes to shows and such. Like yes. there are certainly musicals where I'm like, yeah, this was fine, and you went, that was horrible. <laughs> and I went, whoo. Okay. Oh yeah, like I think Bright Star is one of the worst pieces of shit I've ever seen. And I enjoyed Bright Star yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. I took my mom to it, she cried, you know, a good time was had. I mean, I think I've mentioned you before. The only thing I love in that is when that suitcase flies at the act break and it right. just hovers there. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> so I was like when I recommended Christmas Carol to you and Eric, I was terrified yes. when you went to go see it. Christmas Carol was very good. I was pacing back and forth it made like, oh bo- God. It made, did it make both of our top? I made my top five. It made your top five yeah. this year. I don't believe it made I think it made honorable Eric's. mention for him. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, we should talk about magic. Yeah. Uh, look, if, if you can't see this on the podcast because it's not a visual medium, but, but Eric John, can watch. John has achieved. Look at that. How's that? Perfect. Uh, yeah, I just um, la- if you if you're a, if you're an avid listener, last week I talked about wanting to learn a push through shuffle, and I went out and did it, and now I can do a push through shuffle. Did you go to a specific reference to learn this? I did. I walked into the library of the Magic Castle, and I oh. looked at Bill Goodwin, and I said, "I would like to learn a push through shuffle. Uh, whereabouts would I do that? What's what's the text?" And he pointed me to three DVDs, which are all in the database in the computer. Oh, I uh, there was one that was on the was Die Vernon, um, an old Die Vernon DVD. I think it's called Revelation. Um, uh, 
it might not be what it's called. I'm sorry to anyone raging right now that I you that would I'm suck from. as the Magic Castle library. I would be terrible. <laughs> I don't know. It's in there. You know, what do you want me to do the work? Go find it. Pick up a goddamn book. It's but, in that lightning box, right? Um, <laughs> so the the Die Vernon DVD is uh, this DVD when maybe in the 70s or 80s, as he was pretty old, and he had several of his students sit around and Michael Amar being one of them, probably the most prominent nowadays. And he would talk about move and they'd talk about these things. And, and a lot of the time those students demonstrated that. So one of those guys, uh, I can't remember who it was, but he demonstrated, but it was too short. It was kind of the detail wasn't good mm-hmm. enough. He just kind of went, yeah, and you just push him through. Yeah. And then it was like over oh, like a minute and a half long I, segment. I, mean, I could have told you that. Based right. On the, you know, just like in the zero shuffle, you just zero him through. Yeah. Well, that's actually a great description. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was what it says in the book. So I ended up settling on uh, Jason England's Foundations. Ah. And he has a pretty in-depth discussion on it, on most, on many, many false shuffles. And uh, he kind of goes through, he basically shows you how to do it, and then kind of goes step-by-step explaining why you're doing the things you're doing, um, like what fingers you're using to push the packets ah. through. And it was uh, very helpful, and it turned out to be um, not as difficult as the move as I had anticipated. I believe I, ha- I might even have that Jason England Foundations. Oh, great. Well, uh, I, th- I, have, I have purchased some magic videos because I think the presenters are very handsome. Right. You're Jason England. Jason England? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to like reverse the sexism in the magic industry mm-hmm. by openly telling everybody who the hot magicians are. Who are the hot male magicians? Yeah, well, uh, you also definitely have a type. I do have a type, yeah. but but Jason England's up there. Paul Wilson is up there. Right. Uh, those are my top two at the moment. Okay, Jason England and... Uh, yeah. Paul I like Wilson. bears. Yeah, I, yes. <laughs> uh, all Miguel and Helhea. Yeah, I uh, like him. And I'm with you on that. He is, uh, he is man, he just yes. drips sex appeal. He's, he's so charming. I, I feel like a lot of the Spanish have just charmed Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, 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 and just charisma. Right. And a... But with a lightness to them. They yes, very... it's, it's charming and it's goofy, but it's still sexy. Yeah. It's still hot. Uh, Even when, yeah, man, like... Uh, I'll probably put Danny DRTs up there. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. He's he's a bear. He's constantly elbowing people, nudging them. Right. <laughs> he does so much nudging. <laughs> he does a lot of nudging. Um, uh, I actually think that some of his nudging and physical contact might not be might start need to like go away a little bit oh is it too much um only because a little bit of what i watch this is what i i i have experienced at the castle being at tables where there's a lot of the magician handling um a woman right like grabbing their hands grabbing their shoulders in a way that i just don't think is like necessarily the thing anymore yes uh and Danny Ortiz doesn't do it in like a lecherous way but i think even if you've got a woman on your left and a guy on your right, and only the woman, you're sort of grabbing her shoulder mm-hmm. and taking her wrist and like right. putting it on a card and that kind of stuff. I think it for me, I start to notice it now. Um, sure. Also, it just it's weird these days to just grab anybody without right. asking. So yeah, here's a tip, everybody. If if you if you need someone, if if you need to like touch someone to have them do something or show them what to do or you know bring their hands to cards, just ha- just ask. Can I can I take can I grab your hand for a second? Yeah, that's it. Doesn't you know it doesn't take that much. I do a routine with cards where I touch someone's wrist. Yeah, and every single time I do it, I go, uh, you know, I said, um, would you mind holding out your hand? They go, yes. Yeah. I said, I'm going to touch your wrist. Is that okay? And uh, and they'll say yes, and then I'll you know then then I do it. And yeah, it's okay. I mean, just, I'm gonna, I, I don't, I'm not just going to reach forward and grab this person's wrist and go, yeah, give me that. Yeah. Now, if I pull up a spectator that I think is a handsome man, mm-hmm. I'm going to do my trick where the the reveal of the card is I make out with them. Right. And I extract the card from their mouth. Yeah, yeah. As you... Uh, <laughs> and it, it unfolds in mm-hmm. between our lips. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to ask about that. No, you, as you, and you shouldn't. Because we've had 300 years 
sexism one way, right? To compensate, it has to go the other way. That's mm-hmm. how that's how social justice works. Yeah, or it's like talk about the bulge in his pants or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what's hilarious is when you when you think about those things, they sound patently ridiculous when you talk about them towards a man. Right. Like if you mentioned anything about a guy's anatomy in a that it wasn't like purely comedic it would be so uncomfortable it would be so uncomfortable and i feel like that has been part of scripts for so long for women oh absolutely uh, in fact i'll even just i mean not that i don't enjoy talking about this if you're interested in this particular issue go listen to shazam uh, with kayla dresher and carissa hendrix yeah um great podcast about being a woman in magic and obviously i have a hunch that they have a, a, a more accurate perspective on this than we do uh, yeah, but also you you don't want them to subscribe to that podcast. Oh no, you no. Actually, that one's pretty good. <laughs> so I'm not gonna. <laughs> that one's good. Uh, <laughs> the limits of John's bit goes <laughs> up to uh, progressive. Because uh, that one's so important. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> no one needs to be listening to um, what's another magic podcast uh, about to break. If you li- if you if you listen yeah. to about to break, stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but except my episode's coming out soon. So. No, don't even listen to that. In fact, we've <laughs> also, thought about that off off mic quite a bit. <laughs> your decision to do that, pretty disgusting. I would argue that that is not really a magic podcast. Okay, well, I would argue that whatever it is, no one should be listening to it. <laughs> Taylor Hughes, if you're out there, I'm talking to you specifically. I need you to quit magic and quit podcasting. Taylor is a listener of the podcast. Is he? Yeah. Oh, good for him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> then I, I feel better saying this, Taylor. Taylor Hughes, I'm calling you out. Yeah. Um, quit magic. Quit the podcast, you know, stay in your lane. Which is... I don't know. Find a new lane and stay in there. <laughs> um, one other thing we did last week was we uh, shot a little video. Yes. Um, do you want to give backstory on this video? Sure. So I, kind of on a whim, submitted a tape to uh, Penn and Teller Fool Us. And, uh, a real vi- whim because um, you had messaged me saying like, hey, uh, the deadline is... <laughs> Today? <laughs> yes. Well, I, I had sent you a message about it about a week earlier. I'm like, would you mind just, because you had filmed, there's a, there a segment from my mat last week at the castle. There was a coin, new coin routine I did that I was really proud of and went pretty well. And it was, I think, pretty distinct looking. So I wanted to submit that. So I just asked you to cut that out. And then uh, for whatever reason, cut that out into a little segment that I could send it in a three and a half minute tape. And for whatever reason, it didn't play. Like every time you send me oh, a, right. a Vimeo link, I would click on it and it would say, you don't have the authorization. Yeah, which is strange. Um, and then Apology it, accepted, but it's fine. Uh, uh, well, I mean, that apology would come from Vimeo.com. Sure. Whoever's, whoever's apologizing <laughs> Wait, to did, me. Wait, then when I resent you the link, did it then work? Yes. Because what's weird is I didn't change anything about it. But I might have sent you the wrong link. That's probably what happened. Oh, okay. Um, so, also, shout out to Apple Computers. Please release a new iMac in the next couple months because mine is dying and I need a new one. And yeah. I don't want to buy the one you have released because it's been out for 500 days. Okay, continue. Okay. <laughs> well, you lost me there, but uh, is it like 500 days is when they become obsolete? It's just that I've had the, my laptop for seven and a half years. Well, the thing is that with so, an iMac, I, if I buy one now, they will come out with a new one in like two months. Oh, and, and there's new chips that everybody's like... Obviously, they're going to make new IMAX with these new chips, and they haven't for like six months. Got so. it. It's a the waiting game. So, right. So, yeah. Anyway, there. I found out that like someone had there was some I, last year. The submission date was a little bit later. I think it was like towards the end of fe- January. Right. Um, and I uh, did not submit last year, but I saw that. Uh, I, I I knew it was like January thirty first or something or something yeah. along those lines. They sent they'd sent out a big email to like all the magician members of the castle. I think. Yeah. Hey, here's the submission deadline. Send to something. And this year, I because I had something that I was kind of interested in doing, so I sent it in, 
and I saw something on like that day on the fifth, the fifteenth, uh, I believe it was. Uh, that's like, hey, deadline is is on the fifteenth, and I went, oh shit, that's today. Mm. So, I was, so I, I very casually, I'm like, hey, uh, do you mind going back and, and sending me that video again? I uh, right. I fucked up. <laughs> Send it. Then you sent it off. I sent it off. Got a response immediately. Yeah, I mean that was pretty great. I thought. Right. So I sent it in it about. I mean, I was that was last Tuesday. I was doing Magic Bar, um, and I was just talking to Mad Tad, who was hanging out, who was doing Magic Bar at the time. And uh, we were talking about it, and I went, you know what, keep talking. I just need to send them this email, like, right now. And I just sent, hi, Penn & Teller, fool us. Uh, not, like, not just Penn & Teller, not like they read the emails. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I sent them the video, and like, and then that was about 6.30. Then at about 10 o'clock, I got an email back from them uh, with a very detailed description of what I had sent in. And so, yeah, and some feedback. Yeah, so they, for context, what I had done is I had made a matrix routine where the third phase is a, uh, the, the cards are transparent and all three of the coins vanish visually and then without me touching the card, uh, all four coins appear in one corner. It's very visual and I was really excited about it and several people, including yourself, uh, did a lot of work to, to get that where it is and I was really, really proud of it. That being said, because I was kind of in a rut, because I, I had set a deadline to have that ready to perform for the Magic Castle, which was December 3rd through 9th, I did not have a lot of time to build the entire routine around it. So the first two phases are just two traditional matrixes that I've learned from Shoot. And they're very strong matrixes. However, when I sent in those two plus the third with the transparent cards, their response was, this is very good. We like the transparent cards. I think that's a very nice touch. Right. However, we have had a Matrix on recently. It was on last season. It fooled them. So this kind of falls into that category. Uh, do you have any other ideas of transparent cards? And lest I just go, uh, nope, sorry, this is it. I learn, I figured out a new one as quickly <laughs> yeah. as I could. I was amazed by how quickly you came up with that new material. Yes. Well, uh, what happened was is on when on on the day of on my birthday was the next day, and I was that following Wednesday, and it was great because uh, so it was like a day after, and I basically called shoot that night because and I said, hey, I need to ask you a question. I basically described him the situation, and I went, I just need to find a way to say yes as quickly as possible. I do have something else, and so I was driving to the airport the next morning at like five in the morning, and so what we did is we just on Sepulveda pulling going up to the airport after we got off the freeway. We just stopped at a 24-hour Starbucks, and we just sat at a coffee table for about half an hour and talked about different ideas and this, yeah. this and this. And there was one, there basically there was one that was really good, kind of fit. And so I went, great. And I basically bought the materials for it. I made was this. The, was the nugget of that something you had thought about before? No, the nugget of that, the, the technology for that gimmick was something that Shoot had thought of before. Ah. And then I kind of came up with the rest of the routine. Cool. Um, because he was basically, and we, and we had several ideas Relating to that, he said it'd be cool if you did one of this kind of card that's see-through, and then one that maybe just cut out the entire card and it's just the border, and then you, you know, yeah. what if you did like, um, you know, kind of like a purse frame routine with that, where you're pulling things out of it and they're turning visible as you mm. pull them out, and then you kind of went into your cards, and so you had like three different tricks with three different types of see-through cards, yeah, and uh, which I thought was really cool and certainly an idea I want to explore in the future, but the time was really really of the essence. There was one thing I went, oh, this is cool. This is interesting. It's visual. Yeah. And I had an b- idea for kind of a whole trick with it. Um, the uh, First of all, what a luxury to be able to have like 
a quick con- consultation right. with like one of the best magicians in the world right. to be like, hey, like that's just incredible. That's kind of how our he's like, you're gonna drive me to the airport when and to and from the airport whenever I call you. Yeah, but. Uh, but I'll you help get, you with magic. Right. That's, uh, that's a That turns deal. out to be a very, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty pretty sweet deal. Anybody yeah. out there who's trying to get in on my Shudogawa gig, um, back off, because I got a good setup here. Well, the funny thing I'm is, about is to that share it. he could replace you with Uber, um, but you couldn't replace him with, like, an app. <laughs> I could not replace him with Uber. Yeah. I could call Uber and be like, can you help me with this trick? You could. What if you called Uber and just drove around with the driver and just, like... Bounce ideas yeah. off of him? yeah. Um, that would actually be an interesting web series. Like, well, have you ride in an Uber and just film you doing tricks for the driver? Hold on. What about an Uber where they're all licensed psychologists? And that's actually just, not a bad idea. That's a great idea. Yeah. TM Accardo on that, please. <laughs> uh, Uber Chats, I believe we'll be calling it. And then and, how do you... So then you would it would be hard for you to get the same person, clinician right. again. Well, you'd have to get like surge rates on that. Like, yeah. You know. That's true. And uh, surge rates could go up like at Thanksgiving or Christmas. Right. Um, and they could drop you off right at the Walgreens to get your prescriptions hey. for antidepressants. Okay. We're just gonna, can we make a new podcast all about <laughs> the exploration the of this mo- idea? The best thing about this podcast is that we have jumping off points for other uh, ideas. Other, yeah. Um, so, so yes, yeah, then, then you, you helped me quite, yeah. You, shoot the second one. You had a, uh, you have a very well set up little filming uh, studio, what do you call it? Well, you know, yeah, horror, I have a little thing basically that I built for doing self-tapes for um television and film and it looks you'd sent me footage of it before and it looks great and so i i called upon you to uh to help me do that and you were very gracious through time and we we spent about an hour and a half filming that routine yeah i sent it in have not heard back <laughs> yeah but you know what what an exciting process what an exciting process it was uh so if this if this airs um if this podcast episode goes out which it certainly will and i don't get if i'm not on the show this season i am going to say that i was drugged during this episode, and this was all made up. Uh, yeah, and I'll go. No, I never, I never yeah. submitted to that show. Penitentiary, that, that show sucks. You're Anyone just so who, good at improv that you're yes anding the concept of. Like, yeah, I just improv. like what a fun experiment this would be. Um, also, shout out and thanks to Matt Donnelly, my friend. Right, Matt Donnelly. Uh, he was oh my, he was really helpful. Matt Donnelly, the mind noodler. The mind noodler. That is his magic uh, persona. You can listen to his podcast, Abracababble. That's right. Um, and since he did help me, I'm not going to tell you to not listen to his podcast. Go listen to Abracababble. Plus, you got to pay for his. You got to pay for his. Yeah. Uh, because they actually do talk about like, uh, their their podcast is interesting. They actually do talk about like methods and stuff right. like that. I listened to a very interesting episode from them the other day about like morality and magic, which is something I think about Oh, I've not listened to that yet. It's very good. Is it about mentalism and morality? It's about um, dangerous effects and whether or not they're appropriate. And I think the, the, the idea was yeah, they're so talking no about it. feels very strongly about yes. like bullet, David Blaine bullet catch. Absolutely. Um, and he has a whole routine about it with a nail gun. That's the premise of that whole routine. Ah. is uh, the idea of a dangerous effect and how unethical that is. At the castle, you're not allowed to do... Smash and stab, smash and I believe, stab. is the routine. I never, I've never, i never studied those routines too closely. I was always knew it by the term Russian roulette. Uh-huh. But yes, you're no longer allowed to do it because someone impaled their hand on a spike. Well, smash and stab is where there's spikes under paper bags. There's one spike under one paper bag, and yes. there's like four paper bags on stage. A spectator mixes them up, and um, you... You know, you have spectators point to bags and you crush those with your hand. And sometimes then, with their hands. Sometimes with their hands, which that is inexcusable. And I think that's what happened. I believe, I, I, I don't know all the details, I believe fact, but I believe it was, it was a spectator's, spectator's hand. hand. Yeah. I believe that is correct. Okay. But yeah, when you perform at the castle, that is part of the contract. It says in bold writing, smash and stab is not permitted at the Magic Castle. So this is what is 
strange to me. I can't believe that there's a method where that was ever even possible. To me, I'm like, you should work on the method till it fools people. You know what's funny and it's about never that? Never a thing. So that is, I mean, there are cases of that happening before. It's not like the first time that's ever happened. Yeah. Maybe at the castle. That I don't know. But I mean, I once saw like a YouTube video compilation of people messing up that trick. Oof. Sometimes with or without the spectator's hands, and it's horrible, horrifying to watch. It's really sad. However. I had I don't know the performer that did that that well. I've met him a couple times, mm-hmm. and he was telling me he he. I remember one time we were sitting at the bar at the Magic Castle, and we were talking about that routine. And I was going, "Oh yeah, it's pretty pretty intense." It's about two years before it happened, and he looked me in the face and said, "Well, that's the thing about my routine. There's never any way because of the method. There's never any way that it could ever be messed up. <laughs> right? And now no one's allowed to do it. Uh, um, let me ask you this: What if the what if it was uh, paper bags and that were like full of shaving cream or something like that. Like, is that something w- like if it doesn't have a spike in it, would they be like, that's fine. Yeah. I think it's just the danger element to it. I, I, uh, I, I feel like there could be, you could do a brunch act with like paper bags with shaving cream and have the kids tell you which one to like smash into your head. Right. And I think actually that could be pretty funny. <laughs> that, I mean, then you're also running the risk of like, Kids putting shit under paper bags at home. Yeah. Well, you'd never let them, them stand up. You'd like they from the from the front row. Have you ever done one of those brunch shows? Um. Yeah. When you're in the junior program. Uh, oh right. You one of the of... perks is, is you can audition and then you become part of the rotation to do the close-up shows in the brunch. And that was kind of like yeah. where I like cut my teeth on close-up magic and who my character is and my performance was just monthly. Like five, you do oh. like show up once twice a month and you're doing like six or seven close up shows in front of an audience of all ages. Uh, but you haven't done, do they yell as much in close up galleries? Those kids? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a smaller in the parlor. They, they scream. Right. Well, the parlor is booked as like a children's or family performer. Uh-huh. So I think oftentimes you will get performers that are a little more prepared for that. Yeah. Like I, if, if, if you had 20 kids screaming at me, yeah. And it's usually, it's like the first, the they back stack two, the front row with like kids. Right. But in the close-up gallery, it's like half adults that okay. like calm their kids down. Right, right, right. The, the, the performers that I've seen in the parlor, uh, the best ones I've seen really feed off of the chaos. Oh, absolutely. And a, it's actually a, really enjoyable a good, to watch. A, a great children's performer is pretty incredible to yeah. watch. And I, my favorite ones have a sense of like existential, dark, dark humor, the way they relate to the kids. Mm-hmm, like, like Silly Billy? Uh, I haven't seen Silly Billy. Oh, She's incredible. I, I just the like the way they 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 lob jokes over those kids' heads that they the kids have no idea what the guy's saying half the right. time. <laughs> and, I love that. And like all the that audience, would be me. The adults are like dying, and the kids are just like, "This is fun," and they're like, they're kind of saying terrible things about the kids sometimes. Right. Um. But yeah, so we you you sent that off. Uh, right. So I sent that off. Uh, uh, anyway, we called Matt. Matt helped us a little bit because Matt has worked with Fulas so. Um, I just asked, like, we asked for a little bit of advice about... Right, we just kind of talked to him on the phone. More about just, like, how to um, talk about it, too, when you sent it in. Right, because obviously if you're making a routine over a couple of days, basically, I mean, the, the, the question was, do you have any other ideas with transparent cars? The answer was yes, here's the idea. And I think, you know, with the hope that in the time between if they choose to go with this to the time where they would actually be shooting it, I would have a little bit more time to make and do a little more full-fledged of a routine. Yeah. With a you know maybe stronger endings you know a few stronger endings stronger middle and stronger beginning yeah um, uh, just a whole new trick <laughs> I would just show up with uh, invisible deck and I'd be like yeah no that was just a placeholder this is where the you know this is where the magic is this is, where the, this is this is the money shot you actually could fork it off of starting with not ever actually doing an invisible deck 
but starting with as if you're going to go into that same routine and then like get to the transparent card somehow that way. And you could do that joke you love about having to take them out of the box before you oh shovel. Boy. Don't get me. I'm just going to ruin my day. I'm having a good day. Um, Can we talk about that joke? <laughs> every week we're going to just right. update people on how you feel about that joke. It hasn't gotten better, Yeah, Chris. one day it'll turn around. Um, uh, actually, you know what I thought would be fun to do is uh, I'm going to pitch, because um, I constantly have ideas for tricks, so I'm going to pitch you an idea, and you could take it, anyone listening can take it, or you can tell me that someone's done it already. Okay. Uh, so this is the idea I had while watching Netflix's The Final Table. Have you oh, watched that? I've not, but it's on my list. It's I love fun. me a good cooking competition show. Um, has anybody had a, like a hot plate out on the table with okay. like a pot to boil water in? Okay. And then I, my guess is you would force a card um, and then maybe the card's not in the deck. Or the other day idea I had was it was one of those like transparent plastic blocks that are all like like it's not really a separate card it's just the deck is all one piece mm-hmm. then uh, an omni deck i believe is that what's called an omni deck. and then you uh fancy name for a block of plastic um <laughs> then you take a chef's knife and cut up the block so it's either the omni deck getting cut up into slices or it's a regular deck of cards being cut up into a bunch of little bits mm-hmm. you throw them into a pot of boiling water all the pieces dissipate and disappear and then a, one card floats up to the top and it's the card they picked. That's pretty cool. Has anyone done that? I'm going to need you to stop just telling these ideas blindly on the podcast. I need you to tell them to me in private so I can do them first. Well, because I was thinking... That's pretty cool. Um, you can probably get a deck made. There's probably some material that like dissolves in boiling water. Right. And so maybe the block is made of that. Mm-hmm. And then you just got to figure out a way to get the card to like float up. I mean, you got to figure out a lot of stuff about that. You got to figure out a knife that can cut an Omni deck. Right. But... Um, I forgot who I was listening to recently that was just like, just think of the trick you want to do and then then somebody can probably figure out how to make do it. You know, I mean, that, a lot of people say that. Yeah. And I find, sometimes <laughs> I find that it's always like, like there are certain people that are, fa- I feel it's always the people that are f- super famous for being really creative and having lots of ingenuity with methods. Yes. Like anytime Danny Cole is like, yeah, just, you know, do the trick and then think of the method. I'm like, yeah, easier for you to say Danny Cole, you're a genius. Yeah. What about us, what about us normies? Yeah. Um, or maybe... You just have to be rich enough to hire like Blake Voigt to come figure right. something out for you. Yeah. Uh, I also recently ordered a, uh, I believe it's called Acro Index. It's like a index flap card kind of thingy cool. from his site because I saw the video of it. Um, have you ever gone to Magifest? I've not. They just did it. Um, a few days yes. Ago. Uh, Tom Rose was there. Oh, really? Yeah. And Jan Frisch. So I like to just watch when they go around showing dealers demos. Uh-huh. Um, and Blake Voigt did a demo of this index card that, based on the video, I was like, I don't know how that works. Cool. Because uh, I've made flap cards, mm-hmm. and they don't stand up to inspection. Sure. And he handed it to the person, and they were just holding it, and they were like, oh, it looks good. So I ordered one. I guess that's a good way to sell me on buying things. Right. <laughs> um, so I just need to send all these... I'll have you do the tricks and we'll have him make up all the methods. Exactly. How's that sound? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this, uh, this, I'm trying to think of what a third transparent card would be like a third kind. Well, shoot's idea was just you cut out the whole of a card. Oh, so that, so that's completely transparent. Yeah. So uh, be a third you cut out that, yeah, you cut out everything but the borders. And so it'd be just like this little frame. Huh. So you're like the, you know, the cellophane ones, um, right. The other ones, the other ones. And then the, uh, the just 
an actual like border with nothing in it. And then there is a thing where there's the one where you like riffle the cards and gradually like a card appears. Have you seen that? It's like know. basically a full deck of like transparent cards. Your card of choice is at the back of it. So it basically appears like nothing, but as you like riffle, th- they're all, it's all opaque. Mm-hmm. And then as you riffle them down, it gets more and more transparent. And then it's, it looks like the card, like just like fades in. Cool. Kind of nothing. I have so not seen that. Maybe that's Sounds the end cool. of yours. Yeah. Um, we'll just build it all in here. You know, what? we'll crowdsource the whole thing. Yeah. And then we'll get everyone to, Oh no, FISM's not like a popular vote. <laughs> <laughs> Fism, uh, are the, are you judged at Fism on the on a live performance in front of an, an audience? Mm-hmm. So we stack that audience to right. just boo everybody else, yeah, and just like overwhelmingly cheer at yours. Mm-hmm. Well, I was planning on doing that already. Yeah, but yeah, just in case. Well, it's closer next time. It's in it Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Never been done in North America, right? First time ever, which was one of the big selling points, I believe. Uh, Farquhar. Oh, no, not Amsterdam. It's it's Canada. Is that what it is? That's right. Oh, cool. First time in North America, though. Yes. Um. Yeah, for, uh, first time ever. Uh, because it's a European organization, it's mostly, I think, it only ever happened in Europe and then in Asia uh, three times, I mm. believe. Uh, yes, there was in Japan once, I, I think in the 90s, in Yokohama, I think. Um, that's where Pitt Hartling, he was like 18 years old or something. He was like 19 and got second prize at Wisdom. Where, where, who is he and where is he from? He's German and His he's name from comes Germany. Up so much. So you must be a friend of Dennis Bears. You've seen Pitt Hartling. I saw him perform? Yeah. When? He was there the same week I was in the close-up gallery at the castle. Dennis Bear was early. I didn't see Pitt Harling. I oh, saw Dennis mind. Bear, though. Okay. But, uh, yeah, they're very good friends, and they've been working together for This is forever. fun when people people seem to come to the castle in, like, groups. I know. It's fun. They're like, I don't want to go by myself. It's really cute. <laughs> like, let me bring two friends. Yeah. Because um, the three Spanish guys did the palace the same right. week, and then the two Spanish guys did... Yeah, Luis Almeida and uh, Pipo. Pipo Villanueva. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that happens a lot. That is huh. very common. That people like from out of town or out of country will come here with like a, with a little crew, with a little crew. Yeah, I mean, cool. when Danny D'Artiz was here, he had like four people with them, and they weren't performing; they were all just hanging out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, were any of those palace guys there? Uh, oh, that was the same week. That was the same week. Oh, so he did Peller. He was in the Peller that okay. uh, Thursday through Sunday that those three guys were in the palace. I recently saw a. I didn't realize is Asi Wind Spanish. He is uh, Israeli. Oh, okay. But I saw him one of his demos recently of uh, a trick, and Miguel Angel was just like one of the. So right. Miguel Angel was one of the people he was doing it for, and sure. one of the other ones was was Danny D'Ortiz's like translator. Um, in the Penguin Live, he, Danny Dewars has like a guy. He, right. he speaks English, but he he was explaining some of the su- subtle points. Mm-hmm. He would have a guy translate. I see. So it was funny just seeing like Miguel and Hab like acting like a normal person, just like oh oh okay I'll pick like it's right. funny to see magicians like be the participants in tricks. I know you see that in like little videos a lot. They're always at like conventions or something. Yeah, and they're all sitting around a table. And a lot of times I'm like, you must have a sense of what's happening right now. Right, but Miguel and Helhea isn't going to be like, I know, <laughs> don't buy this. It's like, oh, show me the backside of that car. <laughs> right. That would be funny, though. Um, I, I, Whenever I see those convention videos, I think that it would be very fun to go to one of those, but I think that I would literally need to get, like the way people go to Vegas and they're like, I'm going to lose $1,000 in the casino. Uh-huh. I think I would have to go with like, I'm going to spend $500 at this convention. Right. Because it's easy to spend a lot of money in those dealers' rooms. They're 
abundant. Do they cut you deals? Like if you're buying something early or something? Yeah, there's lots of like convention price only. It was about to go up to ninety dollars. Yeah. You know, and it's like sixty five or something. And you must also be tempted to be like, I'm the first one to get this. Like Sometimes. I feel like I would be like that would be fun for me to be like to be the first to show other people a certain thing or right. something like that. This is not a well, great hobby for one's bank account. Right. It really is not. But then, I, I mean, if, as someone in the comedy community, you'd be the first doing all of these routines. Yeah, that's true. comedy friends. Yeah. In fact, I would do basically all these routines and no jokes. Right. Right. <laughs> that's a, the, that would be a form of anti-comedy where I just do, um, and not even like a comedy magic routine. I do like a very serious Asian FISM style. Like manipulation act? Yeah. How many, uh, I know I said recently that like uh I never wanted to learn a Pharaoh Shuffle, and now I'm learning one. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm going to say that I never w- want to learn a Split Fan. Got it. And I probably will at some point. Those are those are tough. I I don't. And part of it's it's not that I have a real disdain for Split Fans. I just think that when I look at the technical hurdle that mm-hmm. that is, and I feel like doing a half-ass Split Fan is not impressive. Going to fly, right? I think some of these moves are kind of like, you know. You can probably bullshit your way through a top change that's like not the best or whatever. Sure. But like I've even shown people like some of the aces stuff with the fair shovels. And when I'm doing the fair shovel, it's just like, so, um, well, this is something I'm learning. And like it's even that not great. It takes so long sometimes if right. it's not going well, uh, if you don't get it hooked I, up. You right. have to do it like two or three times. Yeah, yeah that's really annoying because also it just doesn't look like a regular thing that anyone does. Right. Um Although one person I showed to do was more fascinated by that part than any of the rest of the trick. Sometimes that's the they case, They were like, yeah. ooh, that's cool. And then I didn't have to do the rest of the, the thing. Um, I wanted to, oh, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, The Jerks. Book is coming out this week. Oh, cool. Um, the, uh, I don't know if you, you don't read it too much. I'm not uh, too familiar with it. The Jerks is a magic blog. But it is very good. Uh, which is very good. Uh, and there is a like subscription kind of model to it where you pay... So, like, in the fall, I paid, and hopefully the book is coming out relatively soon. Um, he already but, has a book out, does he? Does yes. He not? Yes. So, I did, like, a big catch-up payment last year that got me the last book, mm-hmm. um, and then I lent you the little book. Right. Um, which you really liked. Oh, it's great. Uh, and then uh, I think a lot of us There was excited. one. I even, te- I even sent you a picture of a passage that I went, this was spot on. It about. was about, like, why do... It was about, like... it so hard to learn a trick? Right. Like, he was talking about putting a new trick into your act or performing a new trick and there's this kind of idea it's like well i i practice a trick for seven months before i yeah. before i you know put it into my show and he's like well, if a trick is you know made of slights and moves you already are familiar with it should take like two and a half weeks tops before it goes in yeah and then when you know i see so many routine, like i see these people who talk about not putting routines in until they've practiced them for two years or, you know, they, I've been doing this routine for 10 years or whatever. And then he, he basically asked, like, then why is it not better? Like, why are, yeah. you know, what have you been practicing this whole time? And yeah. That, um, I, I see a lot of magicians that I don't think are great. And then I hear them go, I've been doing magic for 35 years. And right. I was like, what have you been doing? That actually speaks to a thing Pat Oswalt said about stand-up, which is like when a lot of, basically all stand-ups remember how long they've been stand- doing stand-up. And it's just a thing, which... I think speaks to this fake idea of hierarchy that, well, I've been doing a stand-up for 11 years, so I should be at X point in my career or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Patton Oswalt said, like, you might be have done 10 years of stand-up, but you might have done your first year of stand-up 10 times. 
Oh boy. You know, like you might That's not deep. have actually like gone deep and progressed. Right. Um, which I think is probably true of like all disciplines. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but standups are particularly aware of like where they are in their, their, you know, where they are comparing themselves to other people. Well, I think the thing about magic is, and I've touched on this idea before, but I think it infects lots of parts of magic mm. is that, you know, when you, when you are participating in a medium that does not require original material, it's easy to, you know, bat a lot of people who never see magic except okay stuff is really good. Yeah. And a lot of times they won't know the difference, which is one of the reasons why it's kind of sometimes tough to get booked in certain, like I've been on those websites like gig salad and like thumbtack and stuff. And the reason those are tough is because nobody knows the difference between magicians. And so yeah. you, they put out a, an ad like, Oh, I need, you know, someone to do an hour of walk around and they're inundated by 25 messages that are all ranging wildly in price points mm -hmm. and they don't know the difference. And so it's kind of tough. And so when you're in a medium where, yeah, people don't really aren't that discerning of what you're doing, you can buy like you can buy a trick at a magic shop, learn it, pre practice it, perform it, and maybe it has a built-in joke that will get a decent laugh. And yeah. maybe even if you're not that funny, you can do the routine and it gets a reaction at the end. So you get kind of a laugh and you get a good reaction at the end and you don't really feel the need to improve yourself. Yes. And so you see lots and lots of that and... I think that's when you have these people that that kind of go along the grapevine and, and then never get much better. To that end, I thought of a good uh, banana bandana variation. I need you to stop saying these on the fucking podcast. <laughs> well, you're definitely never going to do this. That is true. That uh, is true. But, but I think yeah, I could... only put the, the bat, like only put your invisible deck routine ideas or your straight jacket ideas on the podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> this that is, I have no interest. This is in. the idea about how about a banana bandana routine. Which is, it starts with the, uh, we discussed this previously, I'm sure everyone listening knows what that is. I didn't know what it was until John told me, but this is my idea for it. Uh, you go through the thing, like, you don't have a bandana, you have a banana, you fold it up and all that stuff. But then the voiceover says something like, then uh, call in the big bandana or whatever. And then at this point, um, like a dance routine starts and you have an actor come in wearing a full banana costume uh-huh um and the recording has like dance music on it and it's supposed to be something about like you making the bandana dance around but actually it's your friend dressed up in a, a banana mm -hmm. uh dancing around and then it ends when a sniper dot uh hovers over their head and they get assassinated uh-huh <laughs> and that's the end of the trick <laughs> okay <laughs> I think that would would that fly? Would that be more than level one creativity? <laughs> I think that's something. I don't know what level that. <laughs> I don't would know be. what it is either. I think it would just. I don't even know if it'd be a magic trick. I just think it'd be funny for that trick to end up with maybe even like two or three dancing bananas, right? That getting all get picked murdered. off by a sniper, <laughs> right? Very Agatha Christie like, and yeah. then there are none. Yeah. So don't steal that, guys. Yeah, you know, that's, that's ours. Easy, that's that, a, yeah. I, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> Any one of you could put that on stage tomorrow, but what I would love if I had the balls would be to do that for my audition. Right, have someone in the back, <laughs> like because I assume most auditions don't have other people in them. Um, I don't really know, to be honest with you. I, I, my impression from what I've read of people is that like, you know, maybe you get volunteers or whatever, but I doubt that it's like you having associates. So if if I have, uh, maybe they're in the or in their like they're in the cellar or something like that. Then I believe close-up auditions happen in the cellar. Then to have, like, six actors dressed as bananas come in and all get assassinated. Mm -hmm. At least the judging panel will then be like, well, that was not cups and balls. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You didn't do a triumph. Yeah. 
I feel like that. Uh, I actually have been thinking about the stuff I would, would audition with, and now how is that going? Let's let's check in on that process. Well, let's see. I think I'm. Um, I don't, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but I printed up my. Did we talk about my no. oil and water that you put on Instagram? Oh, the friends cards. Yeah. So this is my. I printed up friends Ross and Rachel cards to okay. do an oil and water with. Fantastic. Which um, have gotten feedback. Yeah, people already want them. People want them. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's. Here's an I got like a second message. And I was like, oh, you should reach out to Chris. I mean, you know, I think he'd be happy to probably give him out. Yeah. And she was like, I already messaged him and he hasn't responded. I'm yeah. like, well, I don't know. About I'm not that. good at checking my Instagram message. I will. I'm, I'm happy to really. I don't care who has these. So if you're trying to get to Chris and trying to, you know, hitch your wagon to what he's doing, uh, come to me first, I guess, because yeah. I'm more desperate for <laughs> for for a human contact and I'll respond to your messages. I am not desperate for human contact. Right. Um, well, you're, so in a, because, you're, in a, you're in a loving relationship. We won't go into that. Yeah. But. Uh, I mean, it's against God's will. So, um, so I learned the Anthony Owen uh, I wasn't gonna say oil it. and water. I mean, it doesn't need to be said. Um, it's clear. <laughs> uh, hashtag Covington Catholic. Oh um, my God. <laughs> um, so I learned the Anthony Owen oil and water. I think we talked about this. That I don't like the script for that. So, um, right. Um, and, the script that I've done. Yes. And I had to be like, yeah, I've been there. I've so been in that anyway, dark I alley. printed Ross and Rachel friends cards to do well and well, which I think would be fine. An interesting conflict I have with this is that I'm not that interested in friends. Um, right. So you have to uh, learn. Both in real life and in in this uh, cultural context. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And then you don't like having friends? Yeah. Okay. No, no. <laughs> what would you call our relationship? Uh, Treasured acquaintance? Yes. <laughs> um, so. I think if when I write up my script for this, it will have to basically the thing I'm thinking right now is that I'll, it will be something along the lines of like, I learned this trick, but I'm trying to appeal to like young people, so mm-hmm. I decided to print these print these up, right. and then like throw in various friends references. But I feel like I need to be honest about it as opposed to me being like, I love friends, <laughs> and then I learned a different one this week that I think I could also do. Um, Who's the that? mentalism thing I showed you that I think I'm gonna that I printed oh, right. up. I sent away an order to print them up as Marvel superheroes. Right, right and right. honestly, I will have. Okay, I'll be. I've already folded my ambivalence about Marvel superheroes into the cards that I printed. Really? So here's a. If you don't like, obviously you don't know because you weren't here when we were recorded. Uh, it's basically like I show eight cards. The spectator picks one. I'm across the room and I. His back out, was turned to me. Yeah. And then I figure out which card you picked. Yeah. Um, Strong routine. So the it's a variation of Farsight by Devin Knight. Okay. Um, and it's... I uh, keep hearing Farside, like the comics. Yes. Like, that's That would be great for managers. Oh, that would be good. Bloom County. My whole show is just like 80s uh, cartoons. <laughs> um, so this is how my ambivalence is folded in. Because I already sent this order off. These are the cards getting printed. Mm-hmm. They are... Uh, basically, it's going to be like... I've, I've made these cards that are like the... Like the most popular Marvel superheroes from, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So mm-hmm. they are Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, uh, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, uh, something, another one, another one, and then the last one is oh Captain America, uh, and then the last one is uh, Chris Evans as Johnny Storm <laughs> from the Fantastic Four. <laughs> so they're all just like cartoon iconic poses of these seven. Heroes and the last one is the a photograph off, right. of Chris Evans, and they all see like Captain America. Hulk. I don't get the joke. He was great in that. Was is exactly. There, is there a bit to that? 
I don't think Where's I will, the comedy coming? Yeah, I don't think I will even make. I'll just say like waiting for the funny to happen, my friend. Well, because part of the the routine, the original routine that I think I will modify is you're trying to like maybe perhaps influence the p- person to pick up oh, yeah. a superhero. So I think I will actually say like, you know, maybe you like you know Iron Man because he's so witty, or Thor. I think Doctor Strange is one as well. Thor because he's you like you know mythical legends. Maybe you just like exquisite modern naturalistic acting like chris evans as john storm <laughs> so like that's that'll Performance be of a generation yeah so um but anyway like i i keep coming up with that because my other idea for that was to have like eight disney characters i'm also ambivalent about that too because i the if i did it like with eight icons of something i really loved it would be like like eight members of the band bell and sebastian or <laughs> like you know uh, eight French philosophers or something right. like it wouldn't be anything accessible that anybody would enjoy. Right. Um, I also wish that I like, those, I would love those all sounded very pretentious. Yeah. I mean, most of my interests are like my, my, my eight favorite, eight, uh, very fancy French wines. My fa- my eight favorite Michael Hanukkah films, <laughs> you know, something like that. Ooh, some love for funny games there. Yeah. I love funny games. Okay. Well, do you not like that? Movie? I, I liked it fine. Actually, it was I very interesting. Movie. It's um, very interesting. It you I think you're there's a single digit number of people that enjoyed that movie. Yes, and I'm three of them. Right. Why no <laughs> why he felt he needed to bring that from German to English. Yes, with a like, like frame for frame reshoot. Yeah, he's like, We gotta get Tim Roth and, in um, here. I spent an afternoon watching them side by side on my computer. I've seen them both as well. But like I watched them at the same time. Oh wow. And the cuts are almost exactly the same. That's pretty incredible. It's it's, it's amazing actually that he reproduced it. Um so uh, I can't remember what got me on this, but basically like I am thinking about that and I'm thinking about, oh, and this other thing that I'm working on, which is like a card prediction. Uh, oh, the off by one? Off by one. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I think those three would probably be 10 minutes. <laughs> so it'd be the oil and water, the off by one. Off by one, and maybe this Marvel Superheroes prediction. Yeah. And also the prediction is going to be, instead of on a piece of cardboard, it's going to be on a piece of acid-free cardboard backing and I'm going to put it inside a comic book, like sleeve oh cool and then give it to the spectator and tell them they could never open it <laughs> <laughs> um see i'm gonna make all the peripheral jokes for this bullshit right um so let's say that was 10 minutes um uh by the way i was encouraged last night uh while i was in line to see my husband uh, do a show at ucb by a member of the magic castle oh who was that uh former uh like uh what do you say star of a the biggest sitcom in the world from the nineties or eighties, uh, Jason Alexander <laughs> oh, <laughs> was, cool. in, was in line right behind me. And we were talking about actually, cause he's still a member of the castle. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, he was, he basically implied that the baseline for getting in on the audition is like very low. Oh no. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if it is either. Um, but it might just be that he's, you know, maybe his baseline is very high. Right. Um, but, uh, if he was on the committee, he'd be like, well, what sitcom did you star in? <laughs> yeah. And I'd be like, Superstore. Damn. Actually, I was sitting there in the. Don't uh, you dare plug your fucking show. Yeah, plus I don't <laughs> star in that show. Right. Um, I uh, we were sitting waiting for the show to start last night, and UCB has slides that um appear before that say like, "What UCB performer is a regular on The Good Place?" and it's Darcy Carden, mm-hmm. and what what UCB performers write for Broad City? and it's like seven or eight people, and then it was like, "What UCB? What regular UCB performer appears on Superstore?" Mm. And I was I saw it and I was like, "I know this isn't going to say me." Because Colton Dunn, who's a regular mm-hmm. on Superstore, is 
on a weekend team and like performs all the time at UCB. However, I'm on a weekly team at UCB. You're on two weekly teams at UCB. Uh, yeah, two essentially. Yeah, and I've been in seven episodes of Superstore. Right. So it's like I, I was like I should be on this slide. <laughs> I stood up and said that. I stopped the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, As you should. So anyway, my hope is that well, I can always add something else if I need to. But my point is that like I'm hoping that those routines are at least different enough. Because I'm since I made them all up, at least the the scripts around them. Right. I feel at least I will have the advantage of people judging won't be like it's this one again. My understanding of that audition is it's not necessarily the trick, but I think they they want to make sure that you've put some effort into what you're doing, which I think this would clearly demonstrate. Yeah. I think what they're sometimes afraid of is like someone will take three levels of the magic class yeah. and immediately just take those exact tricks. Because I have heard of people you know like we, we watched an entire day of auditions and it was the exact same yeah cups and balls or the exact same you know card routine with yeah. the exact same pattern the exact same jokes the exact same beats and we just could got it you just took a class and didn't really put any i've actually um been at the castle when guys are waiting to go in oh really because uh, they kind of like keep them they kind of hang around upstairs a little bit sometimes mm-hmm. before they're and uh I heard like this is just a small sample size of one night of guys that were going to go audition, and it was all guys. Yeah, um, it was all white guys. Actually, right. <laughs> it actually was. Um, but and just from hearing what? them discuss in magic, yeah, <laughs> you know, you must have been wrong about um, something. Hearing them discuss what they're going to do, it did seem like they were actually. To be honest, they all seemed very skilled technically because they were. This might make you cringe, but they were all demonstrating their coin rolls to each other. Does that? How does that make you feel? <laughs> Boy. <laughs> Look, I don't want to They were get... like giving each other tips on the subtleties of doing coin rolls. I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to say you've ruined my day. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I had a very nice night plan with some friends. I was yeah. going to go get out, out and get drinks for my birthday. And yeah. uh, now that's canceled. I'm going to call them after this. <laughs> um, I mean, it's impressive to me. Oh, coin rolls are very impressive. <laughs> Just... The idea of like talking about it. I don't know. Something about that image just annoyed, you know. I would, I've I've practiced doing cone roll. I would just never do it in public because I don't like dropping them. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I remember in ninth grade I would get in trouble because I would just sit in class uh, and I would and I would drop them and it would make the loudest noise I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> uh, I, like I would have given someone like a weird like a, like a war flashback. Like it sounded like a loud bang. Yeah. Like it was, and the t- I, a couple times the teacher was just like. And I would usually do it under the table so they couldn't tell it was me. And it happened like three times. You're like, would would you stop whatever that is? Yeah. And I would like pick him up. Well, that teacher's like parent was killed by a coin that fell off of the empire. Table. <laughs> right. And don't worry, I got him fired. Yeah. Um, Mr. Higby. The uh, the was it Mr. Higby? Mr. Higby, Dave Higby. He didn't like me. Oh. Um, my entire like generation of students got the same. Uh, like criticism because we were all trying to learn pen twirling mm. so like my entire group of friends we were all trying to learn pen twirling so our class was just con- like every seven seconds a pen was being dropped um and then nani wilson busted out a little hickory that's right right uh when you when you um like some paddle called the general she like spanks you with well she spanks you with it but like what's weird is um the same colors are on the both sides oh wow yeah didn't you get to pick a color yeah and then, and then, but then it, they changed. Wow. <laughs> uh, I'd like to see someone do a paddle move with a giant, like, rowing paddle. <laughs> um, first, I was going to say that I would say in the comedy world and in the acting world, it does, it definitely hurts me to not be white. 
because I don't have access to like a huge number of roles. Right. Um, and there's a lot roles of, that probably don't. Oh, the vast majority of which could be anybody. Right. Um, and, and there's there is a lot of like. I totally understand this. There's a lot of like when you get when you finally get your chance and you've sold the show to somebody and you get to cast people, you're gonna want to bring up your buddies. Mm-hmm. And and because of the way social networks work, a lot of people's buddies look like them. Like right. this happens all over the place. Sure. Like, um. So I understand that. I think it's something to be to be consciously fought against mm-hmm. from all sides. Um. But there are parts in acting where it does help me sometimes because. Like, for example, this week I auditioned for two different roles that were only for Asian men, Mm -hmm. and they were comedic. And I feel like I'm pretty, like, I feel very confident competing against all these other Chinese people (laughs) being funny. Right. Uh, I feel confident. Because the one, a lot of people don't know this, the one true stereotype is that Chinese people aren't funny. That is kind of a, I mean, there is a stereotype of Chinese people being robotic. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and kind of charmless there's especially with men there's a there's a there's a stereotype of chinese men being kind of personality less which is also why harvard was like downgrading them all what have you heard about that no oh there's a huge case of the supreme court right now about harvard giving lower personality scores to asian applicants that was helping them kind of keep their numbers down for how many asians they because there a lot of the asian applicants had way better grades and test scores than Mm -hmm. white students um but I will not say that I'm against. I'm against what Harvard did, but I'm not against affirmative action in general. You should watch Hassan Minaj's uh, uh, Patriot Act. Patriot Act. Uh, he has that. a specific one just about that case. It's really good. Oh, really? Um, but the, the reason I bring it up is in acting, sometimes it does help. But in magic, I don't think it does. Because like when I walk around the castle, there's lots of Asians walking around. Like I feel like there's a lot of. Like I don't feel like at the castle they would be like, ooh. I don't know that I would really mean anything in terms of diversity. Right, I, I, that might be true. I, I think this is such an uneducated opinion, so I'm going to be careful with this. Yeah, I, all Asians look the same. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, uh, I, I feel like in magic because you have it is such an international field, and you have do you have so many famous performers uh, and teachers of magic from all over the world. I feel like the divide in magic tends to be more of a gender thing than it does a race thing. Not that race is not a big issue yeah. in magic, and it is. There, you, you, m- most magicians are, are white men. Yeah. But I think there, if you were to do the numbers, I think there, my, my guess is that there are more successful uh, magicians of color than there are female magicians. Yes, there are not, from what I've seen, very many African-American magicians. Very few. In fact, I believe they just made a documentary about that on uh, uh Hulu, I think. Um, Amazon Prime. Amazon seems Prime, like right. that would be cool if that was fixed. Um, however, I wonder if, like, even someone, no matter what their ethnicity is, if they're a guy, I wonder if it's easier for them to just sort of get in and exist within the in the boys' club. Then, probably. In fact, uh, this la- is all just a plug for that other podcast for Shazam. Yeah, uh, I was actually. Oh, I saw Kayla Dresser last night oh. because. Um, uh, Harrison Lampert was um, uh, doing Magic Bar and uh-huh. they are together. And they're like a great couple because they're both so talented. It's like mm-hmm. They're like a very talented couple. Anyway, uh, but we were talking about... She, she's basically working on a project right now kind of about the numbers of women in Magic and trying to keep certain organizations accountable for making sure there's equal representation for women in Magic. And she said all we really want is to have the numbers of 
the numbers of women appearing on podcasts, conventions, uh, magazine panels. covers, panel. Sorry, yeah, or panels. Or yeah, like exactly. Anything. Penguin lives. Right. Yeah, penguin li- lecture, online lectures, all that stuff. We just wanted to be to. She says, all you have to do to please us right now is to make the the number of women on those things seven point zero one percent, because she said the number of women in magic is a pro- is about seven percent. Oh. She goes, that's all. You, that would just be true to life representation. Um, and like they're having trouble even hitting that. Bar. Oh yeah, she goes many. Uh, she, she said podcasts. She said pass the test the most. Like a lot of uh, just like performer podcasts hmm. tend to have more. You know, but like online lectures, magazine covers, conventions, all have trouble hitting that number i bet that's skewed by the fact that podcasts are a pretty young medium oh that that could could definitely be it i bet that sample says that people that listen to podcasts is like 15 years younger than the people that you know that read mimeographs i don't know (laughs) (laughs) the people that collect daguerreotypes right is an older demographic than the people that listen to song chips put in their head (laughs) um (laughs) see this kind of comedy i want to bring to magic right um, song chips that's that's the yeah that's what we need what were those uh were there like toothbrushes or keychains that only played like one song do you remember this i do not it's like a little like a plastic thing that would only play like one song <laughs> no i don't know i'm too old for this and you're probably too young for this so I it's am. like hitting a weird spot where neither of us remembers what it is right um did you ever toothbrush that played a song i no. Did you, are you making that up? No, this is real. I we're bought, close enough that you don't have to make these things up for me to like you. I you know bought... I, mean? uh, I don't do anything to make you like me. <laughs> um, I, I bought as a gimmick, uh, as a bit once for a one-man show that I never did, I bought a toothbrush. These toothbrushes play songs to you through bone conduction. Oh, cool. So as you're brushing it, you can't hear... Like if, if I was brushing my teeth with it, you couldn't hear it from this distance, but I could because it's going into my tooth. That's incredible. I bought a uh, toothbrush. Oh, I'm going to buy one of those today. Yeah. That's going to be in my new clothes or my magic hat. I'm that could everyone, be a- everyone's going to brush their teeth yeah. with my same toothbrush and they'll all ha- hear the car. It'll play like, um, like on their way ACDC's out of ACDC's the-, the Ace of Spades. Yeah. The Ace of Spades. Yeah. And then they'll pass the toothbrush along as they're leaving the theater. So I'll, like, I'll take it and hand it to right. the next person. And at the end, you're like, I put trichinosis on it. <laughs> right. Um, I bought a toothbrush that, through bone conduction, played Gangnam Style. Um, because I was going to do a one-man show where it was Psy um, as like a 90-year-old in a nursing home mm-hmm. who still could only perform Gangnam Style to right. entertain people. And somehow that toothbrush was going to be involved. I don't remember how now. Because actually it doesn't make sense. Because uh, I would still be the only one that heard it. Right. That's a lot of just, just, just trust me. It, it, it's in there. Yeah, it's in there. Um, I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about this week? Not really. Uh, what else What else is going on? Oh, you know, I mean, just go just back to that earlier point. Um, do not do any magic with real danger in it, I think. Oh, Especially if yes. it involves a spectator. Uh, I don't even understand how you would get to the point that you would think that was okay. Right. That's you just have this blind confidence in your method. Any method can and will mess up at some point. And if you're arrogant enough to go, no, 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 mine's good. Even for a card, like even for a card trick, it will, it can not work at some point. And and if you have a, you know, I don't care what the method is. If there's a real spike that someone can really that can actually inflict damage on someone's hand. Uh, I don't care how good your method is. If it's if it is hidden and you you can't see what's under that cup, you know, 
don't do it. Yeah. There's no excuse. Absolutely no excuse. Uh, to put your spectator in real damage. Because, in real like, danger, excuse me. For example, um, like, if I come up with a method for one of these castle audition acts and I'm not sure if it's going to be work, work that well, I can still go out and try it in front of, like, 30 audiences because the consequence of my method going wrong is, like, I just look dumb. Right. So... You have to factor in like what happens if your method goes wrong. Now I will say, is he? Are they implying that the David Blaine bullet catch like, like that the consequence of that going wrong would be, but, or was or was Penn's issue that he was implying that that's what was going to happen? I, I'm not sure about that particular situation as far as Penn and the David Blaine bullet catch. Yeah. I have heard Penn. I mean, he's very open about how much he hates magic with real danger in it. Yeah, he thinks it's uh, unethical to profit off of. Real danger. Right. Does that include, um, uh, like, stunt-type acts? Like, let me get out of this thing before it, you know, before I drown? I mean, probably. I imagine if, if he felt there was real danger to that. Because I have this and routine I'm, that's going to be like, someone stabs me with a knife. Oh, fine. And I see if I can suture all the wounds up before. <laughs> right. Uh, we wait and see how long it takes for the ambulance to get there. Well, before this banana gets assassinated. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're going to shoot a guy on stage dressed as a banana, yeah. and then we're going to call an ambulance. Yeah. I Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, because I one of my favorite things that they did was when they did Rope Trick with a live snake. Mm-hmm. And they, they cut the snake. Right. And it's like really disgusting. Sure. And it seems like they're murdering that snake, and then they don't. But I think there's also an element there. I think they're playing to the idea that you know they're not actually killing a snake. You know, they yeah. also have a sawing in half uh, where they cut that woman open and guts spill out everywhere. Uh huh. And it's really funny. Huh. Uh, because they whole they talk about how boring the sawing a person in half is. Yeah. And so they talk about you know doing it for real, and they reveal the trick. And then they like show like where you know yeah. where her like stomach is kind of hidden, such that they can pull these boxes apart. And then uh, the 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 blade dro- accidentally falls, and it just cuts her open. She screams, and there's blood everywhere. And From they go, oh oh god, and they just wheel it off. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, there's no like, she's fine. Uh, I think at the end of the show she comes out and bows, but no, in that moment. Um. Uh, we can probably wrap it up, but I was from what you've absorbed from other magicians. What is. What is how are people regard Penn and Teller these days? Oh, still is like the best. Because I watched the other day they did a cups and balls with transparent cups. Oh, that's twenty years old. But, but so people are okay with that. Like, why do people give a shit if we expose shit on a podcast? But they're okay with that, right? I think. <laughs> like, well, first off, I think some. First people, of all, no one cares about this podcast, <laughs> right? Uh, we no, no, no. We have as many fans as Penn and Teller. That's that's a fact. Yeah. Well, we have as many fans as there are pens and tellers. Got it. There's <laughs> two fair. of them. Yeah. We have. Two I, fans. I keep wanting to joke that we have tens of fans, but that's probably overestimating it. Yeah. I like to say we have downwards of twenty fans. You're down. Okay. <laughs> uh, but like that transparent comes and balls is straight up exposure. I think, well, you know, their take on that, and I've heard them talk about this quite a bit because they're asked about it a lot, is that a lot of the times they're revealing methods, they're not revealing as much as you'd think they are. Like you never leave, like if you saw that show and they did transparent cups and balls, you don't leave with the knowledge to do cups and balls because they're not going through the specifics of it. It's all kind of like them talking about it and they're sort of just rushing through the movements. Yeah. Uh, same thing with that whole blast off routine they do where there's three boxes on stage that are stacked up on each other and Teller goes inside the three of them oh, yes, yes. and then they're separated and then they there's a base they're standing on top of and they pull off the curtain on the base and then yeah. you just see Teller go, like sliding around the stage so he can put his arm through this box and un, you know under it to yeah. uh, 
put his leg through this thing. By the way, I I like it because to me, like for that trick is blown for anybody who potentially for anyone who does it without that. Right. But then I can see they have an intent of sort of raising the baseline of what magic is, I would think. Well, you know, love it or like it or hate it, um, the whole mass magician, yes. that was his like the, his last episode, he reveals who he is, yes. and he announces that's why he did it. He's like, he I, was Valentino. He was Valentino. and Was that anyone anyone No, which really pisses me off. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, this was a major show on a, on a network uh, on a network, like a CBS or something, like a yeah. major network television show, and like a primetime spot or something. It was yeah. doing very well. And like most of the audience was not magicians, and so uh, I remember watching it, being like, "Who?" Exactly. Yeah. Like, was he expecting the entire sh- audience to be like, "Oh shit, that guy"? But was he somebody that magicians knew? I have no idea. This was. Yeah, I, huh. I've. Well, he doesn't do a lot now. I once. I think it was a magician, like kind of just a hobbyist. I was once talking to him. And he's like, "Yeah," and we were talking. I was complaining that that's like he wasn't anyone, and why? Why was that a big deal? And he revealed himself. Why did he put on a mask in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> no one knew who this guy was. But he, he said to me, he goes, you know, that guy died. I think, like, they killed that guy. Like, he died in, like, mysterious <laughs> circumstances. And I went, that is definitely not true. And I looked it up, and he is still alive. Yeah. Valentino, if you want to come on the podcast. I think the worst thing that probably happened to him was they, like, overcooked his beef wellington. Right. At the castle. And then he went, that's kind of chewy. And they yeah. went, you're goddamn right at this. <laughs> How does it feel? Yes. But I, yeah, I also, I mean... People still do those. Like I see some of those tricks that he explained exactly how he explained them. Still done today. Yeah, get whatever reaction they deserve. I guess my thing is maybe magic is more robust than all of that. You know, like maybe these things aren't shattered by. So cups and balls doesn't necessarily reveal all the beats of the way it works, but it definitely reveals how cups are loaded. Sure, and that is like a lot of the astonishment of watching a cups and balls thing. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know, like. It definitely reveals one really re- move that's repeated in a lot of cups and balls. Like it's very clearly demonstrated in it. Well, I think what Penn and Teller do very well is they reveal these things while also kind of subverting them in a very interesting way. Yeah. So, like how can we kind of reveal to you what these ideas are and then fool you with those same ideas? And yeah. so that's I think where that comes. they don't just reveal stuff just because they think it's fun to reveal stuff. Well, that's probably part of it. Yeah. But I think it's also a and big big uh, part of it is. Yeah, setting up an expectation and then kind of subverting that expectation. They might be going uh, sort of uh, in a different way, sort of towards that thing about like just getting, not having an original thing and just like executing the trick or whatever. They mm-hmm. seem to be going beyond something beyond just successful execution of a trick. Like they seem to be trying to go beyond that to some, to saying something else. Sure. Oh, yeah. They. I mean, that's their stuff is so creative and so inventive. Yeah. Now the thing about like, I don't know if I've seen anything of theirs that's just... Look at what we did. Right. It's, it's, it's almost always like got something extra to it. Uh, have you ever seen that full show? No, I haven't. Oh, it's great. Uh, in fact, I would like to go to Vegas sometime in February or March. Right. Because uh, Eric will be in Australia. Mm-hmm. So um, hopefully we can go there. We can meet Matt Donnelly. Yeah. Talk to Abercrombie, but also maybe uh, see a show. Matt King. Yeah. Oh, Matt King's incredible. And uh, Penn and Teller. Um, all right. I think that's all I have to talk about. Great. Um, I have plenty more to talk about. So we strap in, folks. Any live, hour. any live shows coming up this week? Uh, no, I, it's just Magic Bar. Um, I'll oh, be right. Magic Bar, uh, potentially next week uh, on Tuesday with um, Steve Valentine. Pretend, I, I, I might. Oh, uh, is he doing the whole thing? He's doing Monday, Tuesday, yeah. Ooh. Um, and I might fill in for Ben on Tuesday. That is yet to be determined, depending cool. on um, a flight that I have 
Uh, but I will definitely be there February 12th, 19th, and 26th uh, on Tuesdays with Robert Ramirez, Kayla Drescher, and Jonathan Levitt on those respective Tuesdays. Very excited about all of those. Uh, cool. All three of those are great performers that I'm very excited to hang with. Uh, so come th- see those. They're almost sold out. This Friday, I am uh, in Baby Wentz Candy mm-hmm. at 7.30 at UCB Sunset. I think that's all I have this week. Oh. Um, no magic to do? I will probably not make it to magic to do yeah. because I'm on a project tomorrow. Oh. So, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> all right. See you guys next week. See you next week. And now, outro. Performed by the same person that we requested to perform the intro. Which shows me doing the sketch. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the setup. Brought to you by Blue Apron.